It's been nearly a decade since the Seahawks have beaten the Saints, whether in Seattle or New Orleans. They'll get another chance to snap their losing streak at the Caesar Superdome on Sunday and extend their winning streak to two games. Tyler Furness and I are going to be breaking down the matchup, devising a game plan, dishing out our X-Factors, and much more on our Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Blue Friday episode, Tyler Fornes, Mr. Wager himself, going to be diving into some X's and O's today as we devise a game plan for a Seahawks victory against the New Orleans Saints on Sunday, dishing out some X factors, keys to victory, and of course, our final game predictions. Jam-packed Blue Friday episode coming your way, courtesy of Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online where the game starts. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. It's really been a theme for the Seahawks this year, but once again on Friday, releasing a pretty small injury reported. Obviously, Tyler, that's always what you're looking for going into a game, keeping as few of guys on that injury report when you have your final designations as possible. The Seahawks will be without rookie Dariq Young. He's dealing with a quad injury, but Young actually has not dressed their last three games as a healthy scratch. Probably wouldn't be active for this game. If not for Marquise Goodwin's injury, maybe that is the most concerning injury going into this game because the Saints, they've had most of their trouble this year defensively defending three and four wide receiver sets. Maybe some opportunities for Goodwin this week, and he's dealing with a couple injuries, kind of banged up. The Seahawks are hoping to have him, though, against this good Saints defense. Absolutely. And one of the best ways you can attack the Saints defense is by going vertical and then having something come underneath. Marshawn Lattimore, with how physical he is, he is really good at taking care of technicians. But with how explosive the Seahawks wide receiver core, you can take advantage of him. And then Bradley Roby on the outside is just not quite the same cornerback as, as he used to be. You don't have Chauncey Garner-Johnson in the slot anymore. And Marcus May is dealing with some injuries. Like This is a Saints secondary while talented, can be taken advantage of, especially with the big play potential of these Seahawks receivers. Yeah, and I think it's noteworthy with Goodwin being on that list. Now, Pete Carroll today made it sound like they've been really taking it easy on him this week and that they were confident he'd be able to play on Sunday. They're going to test him out before the game. But if you don't have Dariq Young and you don't have him, D. Eskridge would be their number three receiver. They would have to promote someone from the practice squad, and they'll be able to do that on Saturday A couple names to keep an eye on in that practice squad. They have J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, former second-round pick for the Eagles that they signed after he was – or they traded for him, and they kept him after releasing him after training camp. He's been on the practice squad. And they've also got Kate Johnson. And they've got Bo Melton, who they drafted a few picks before Dariq Young. He has yet to make his Seahawks debut. So any one of those three receivers could be a practice squad elevation for this game if they need a receiver. Ken Walker the third dealing with a shoulder issue, but Pete Carroll said he had a great Friday practice. Wasn't even listed as a designation today, so he should be good to go as well. Really a very clean injury report. I think the tale of this game, though, is that the Saints are the exact opposite. Not only do they have a lot more names 
on their injury report. They're going to be missing some star players, including Mike Thomas. And you being somebody that covers the Vikings full-time, Michael Thomas didn't play last week in London in that matchup, and he's going to miss a second straight game with a foot issue. That is a big advantage for the Seahawks, especially considering how much they have struggled defensively giving up explosive plays. Absolutely, but as much as it's going to hurt the Saints to not have Michael Thomas in there, it's going to be the Chris Olave show, and he was my top receiver coming out of the draft this past offseason, and he is showing why he's able to win down the field. He's able to win short. As explosive as he is as a vertical receiver, he's also a route-running technician. I compared him to Justin Jefferson, except he doesn't quite have the um, after-catch ability, something that he really struggled with at Ohio State. But because he was such a, such a technician and how they used him, Garrett Wilson was always their guy that was able to kind of get the ball into space and take advantage of it. A lot of he's running a lot of the comebacks, the nine balls. So I really think that what Olave brings to the table can really cause some issues, especially if he goes up against a guy like Tariq Wolin, because Olave can kind of turn him around and really take advantage of leverage and beat him inside, outside. And then just little little things like comebacks, I think, will be relatively easy because he'll just be able to take advantage of the hip position of Wolin to just create that natural separation because he does have that great speed. It's going to be a really tough matchup for Seattle, but one of the keys we're going to talk about later, it's not going to matter how good the coverage is if you win up front. Yeah, that's certainly going to be a storyline to watch, especially in the Saints offensive line that's been good but not great in the first four games of the season. There have certainly been some issues up front. They've had some turnover. They've had some injuries. Teron Armstead now being in Miami. I think the most notable injury on there, though, for Seahawks fans, Alvin Kamara is listed as questionable, did not play against the Vikings last week, but two days ago, reports indicating that he was ready to roll, that he expected to play. He has been a Seahawks killer ever since he came into the league, whether it's been on screens, catching passes out of the slot or out wide, running the football. Tariq Woolen summed it up perfectly. He runs like water, and he goes through tackles like water, and Seahawks have struggled to get him down to the ground. So looks like he is going to have a very good chance to play in this game. So the Seahawks are going to have to deal with number 41 in the backfield. Jarvis Landry looking like he's trending towards playing too. So you mentioned Chris Olave. Jarvis Landry in the slot going against a rookie and Kobe Bryant, who has not played a lot of snaps in the slot in his football career. Very savvy route runner, has had some very productive seasons in the NFL. That could be a player that gives him a lot of issues too. So there's some names on there to keep an eye on going in this game that could be game time decisions. Not having Mike Thomas out there, obviously that's going to help the Seahawks, but the Saints do have a lot of receiving talent. I think the other injury on the out, uh, out classification here, the Saints have not had much success rushing the passer this year, which may be the biggest surprise for me given the talent they have, but former first-round pick Peyton Turner is not going to play in this game dealing with a chest injury. So they're going to be down one of their more athletic pass rushers they can get after the quarterback. But overall, the Seahawks should be feeling pretty good from an injury standpoint. They're going to have most of their players out there. Maybe the biggest question mark being Marquise Goodwin and Justin Coleman. Who knows if Coleman's even going to play anyway because Kobe Bryant has 
played fairly well the last couple of games in the slot. They want to give him experience. The Saints are the team that have a lot more injury concerns going into this one, and they're going to be desperate with a one and three record. They need to win this game at home. The Seahawks are hoping to get above 500 for the first time this year since week one. So really, there's a lot on the line, and that's going to be the perfect segue here. Coming up next, Tyler and I are going to be devising a game plan for a Seahawks victory. How do they go to the Caesars Superdome, one of the toughest road environments in the NFL, and get their second straight victory and a long losing streak? against the Saints. We're going to be breaking that down coming up next here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. All right, here's a sports analogy for you. When it comes to burglars, your home is like an end zone and you need the absolute strongest defense you can muster. This is why I use and trust Simply Safe Home Security. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. It's cutting edge technology powered by 24-7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. So you always know your home is safe. Simply Safe keeps my home safe with the best technology available, including the ability to control my system from my phone, watch my security cameras in crystal clear HD, and use a variety of high-tech sensors for the best quality protection. And the best part, with 24-7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatched to police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked in NFL. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked in NFL to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Blue Friday edition. This is Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's show, Tyler Fornes. Thanks, as always, to the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Make sure to check out NFL Key Predictions. They come out every Friday on Locked On NFL. Locked On's local experts give you the inside scoop on the five biggest games of the NFL weekend, including Sunday and Monday Night Football plus betting advice from the field's leading experts at Bet Online. Follow NFL Key Predictions every Friday on Locked Up NFL, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, let's get to the game planning segment of our Blue Friday episode. And this is kind of a unique one because, Tyler, again, I mentioned this earlier, you write for the Vikings Wire, and you had the opportunity to prepare to play the New Orleans Saints last week and the Vikings ended up getting that win over the Saints in London. So you've got a unique perspective here. You've gotten to see this team firsthand on both sides of the football. And, oh, by the way, Andy Dalton was playing quarterback last week just as he's going to this week for the Saints against the Seahawks. And so going to have some very unique perspective from you. Let's start on the offensive side of the football. You've seen the Seahawks and the way that Geno Smith is slinging the pigskin right now. The running game is getting going. Just put up 48 points in the Detroit Lions. What do you think the Seahawks have to be able to do in this game to be able to beat the New Orleans Saints? What would you be game planning for Seattle to get this road win? I think the big thing is you have to stay consistent and you have to sustain drives. And one of the nice things that uh, the the Seahawks are going to be able to take advantage of is they have explosive athletes at the wide receiver position. And one of the routes that is easy to beat the this Saints defense is the corner route. And the Vikings were just unable to take advantage of it because Kirk Cousins got a little gun shy to Ryan Matthew, uh, ended up jumping a stop route on the outside in Palms coverage, which is a, a variation of cover two. And it it really just hurt the team throughout the rest of the game because there were plenty of opportunities. Marshawn Lattimore likes to really get a jam at the line of scrimmage, which we all know DK Metcalf can really um, 
push through just because he's such a physical freak out there. But you're able to get around that and then cut to the outside. Tyler Lockett could feast on those corner routes all day. And if Geno Smith understands that and is able to throw with that anticipation, that could be an area where the Seahawks can really take advantage and really take some chunk plays. And it really depends how the Saints secondary ends up playing the Seahawks because as as talented as the Vikings receivers are, little different skill sets, especially when you're talking about DK Metcalf. There's very few guys with his size and his speed and his ability to win downfield. Being a super aggressive press cover corner against him might not be the smartest idea for Marshawn Lattimore, as good as he is at it. This is not a guy that you want to be getting physical with a line of scrimmage. DK has a tendency to dominate opponents when they try to do that. And so they're going to be doing some different things. That corner route maybe isn't going to be quite as open this week, depending on what they do. But that's certainly something to keep an eye on, especially with how aggressive the Saints' safeties are. That can open up those holes in the secondary if Geno Smith is able to get the football to these receivers. I'm going to lean on the run game, though, because you mentioned sustaining drives. And it's really interesting that I'm bringing this up because last year, maybe the worst game the Seahawks had running the football the entire season was in Seattle with the New Orleans Saints coming to town. New Orleans, their, their front seven last year was vicious against the run. They had one of the best run defenses in the league. Alex Collins got bottled up in that game, less than 45 rushing yards on 16 carries, got ambushed at the line run after run. They just couldn't get anything going. And yet this year has really been difficult for them. They gave up 201 rushing yards in week one, over 150 rushing yards in week three to the Panthers. They were better in the other two games, but this is a team that has had a lot more issues slowing down run games, particularly with injuries in the defensive interior. I feel like Seattle should be able to run the football between the tackles against the Saint defense. Now, I like their linebackers a lot, especially Demario Davis and his ability to fly around the field and make plays. He had a huge game against the Seahawks last year. But their defensive line did a really good job of allowing him to stay free. They are really undermanned at that defensive tackle position right now, and they're light. Guys that are around 300 pounds, they don't have any big-body dudes that they can throw in there right now. You got a couple of those guys in injured reserve. So, this is a game where I actually think Seattle can maybe get a little bit of that gap run game between the tackles going. This is mostly a zone running offense, but they have the big guys in Gabe Jackson and Damian Lewis to maybe be able to knock these defensive tackles off the ball and create some issues for the linebackers. And you mentioned sustaining drives. If you're able to get that run game going early, they didn't do that last week in Detroit. Second half exploded. Maybe that's the momentum they need going to this game. If they can run the football successfully, that can help take the crowd out of the game, which is a huge deal when you're playing in a hostile environment like New Orleans. It absolutely is. And the running game, is it's going to be really tough because that second level for the Saints is tremendous. You mentioned Tamario Davis. Pete Werner has been fantastic. Yep. He, he's, he's like 6'5", 230, and he can run. He's, he's got great vision, and he's – lean so he can kind of get into tight spaces and be able to uh, penetrate gaps that way establishing the run with a variety of ways uh, maybe some counter pull and utilizing some misdirection I think can really get these Saints linebackers off balance and really allow Rashad Penny to take advantage of some opportunities in open space and I'm glad you mentioned Penny because he only got a couple carries in that game last year and got banged up, all the injuries that he's had. But he is on a roll, had that phenomenal second half last week. That's just a different beast the Saints defense is going to have to deal with with his breakaway speed, his ability to hit home runs. 
No offense to Alex Collins, but he just doesn't bring that type of a running style to the game. They're going to have to deal with that with both Penny and Ken Walker III. So the personnel is there. Their offensive line is getting better each week. So this is an opportunity for them against the Saints defense that right now ranks 20th in rushing yards on defense. They have not been as dominant in that category as they have been the last couple of seasons. Now let's slip over to the defensive side of the football. Andy, the red rifle, Dalton, playing quarterback for the Saints. And obviously won a lot of games in Cincinnati earlier in his career. Now is a backup but a capable one that can go out and win games, almost won the game last week for the Saints, completed more than 70% of his passes. You look at Seattle's defensive struggles. What can they do against the Saints offense, especially if Alvin Kamara is playing, which it looks like he's going to be? What does this defense need to do to find some success and maybe build some momentum on the defensive side of the football? It's really simple. They have to get home with four and they have to play really good coverage on the back end because Andy Dalton is a smart, calculated player. And there was a throw to Chris Olave when the Vikings had made a field goal to go up three with about 24 seconds left. It was it was quarters coverage and Olave was basically in a in a square box about six yards wide, six yards long. And Dalton threw a perfect pass. Olave caught it. They were able to spike in an attempt a game tying field goal. They unfortunately missed it. But Dalton is able to push the ball down the field, and especially with Olave having that 4-3-9 speed to be able to take the top off of the defense. This is a quarterback that you really can't take lightly. He's not like Jameis Winston in the fact that he's not going to have all these high traits, but he's going to make smart, calculated decisions with the football. Watch for misdirection screens. Watch for the ability for Olave to take the top off the defense, and they're going to run some stuff off that. You have Jarvis Landry. He's going to be coming. He's going to be playing in the slot. And Colby Bryant, we kind of talked about it earlier. The fact that he is inexperienced. He's a technician, but Jarvis Landry is so savvy winning from inside the slot. That could end up being an issue. Dalton is not somebody to take lightly. Yeah, he gets made fun of, and he's not the most dynamic athlete. He never has been, but he's calculated, he's smart, and he knows when to push the ball down the field feel like I have to bring up the Colt McCoy rule for the first time this year, but I'm doing so with a guy that has won a lot of games in the NFL as a starting quarterback, which Andy Dalton certainly did in Cincinnati. The Seahawks have had their issues with backup quarterbacks, and this guy, Andy Dalton does a lot of things that Colt McCoy does. He's he's very smart. He's going to be very careful with the football. He's going to have the ability to get the ball out to his receivers. He's going to be the distributor. He's going to make smart decisions as a Wiley veteran. And so that is the type of quarterback that has given the Seahawks issues when we're talking about backups, especially somebody like Dalton, who has started a lot of games in this league. I got to go back to the backfield, though, and I've been talking about it all week. You know, I'm just going to say this right now. I don't know that there's a running back when he is fully healthy that has more impact on his team's offense than Alvin Kamara. And I'm maybe I'm just saying that from what he's done to the Seahawks over the years as an out-of-division opponent, but just his ability to go outside in the slot or as an outside boundary receiver and do damage, to create on screen plays and bubble screens. I mean, you could just move him all over the place. And obviously a very gifted ball carrier, too, with underrated power, the ability to slither through tackles. I make this comment constantly about it, but he truly is the one running back in this league that I just feel like, how much butter is he putting on his jersey before the game? Because guys just can't bring him to the ground. He finds ways to escape tackles constantly. 
and incredible contact balance. He's just been a thorn in Seattle's side as much as any player in the NFL when they've played against the Saints. So you hear quarterback spy. This is a game where, you know, Andy Dalton is not going to be beating you with his mobility. That's never been his game, especially at this stage of his career. But you have got to have eyes on Alvin Kamara all game long. There's got to be somebody that is like him, is on him like glue when they're running swing routes, when he's doing screens. You've got to have guys, they got to be swarming to the football. There's got to be somebody spying on him. So maybe a running back spy in this game. you got to do something to slow him down. That's got to be priority number one and force Andy Dalton to beat you. Now, obviously, Dalton's capable of doing that, but he is not an elite quarterback. He has been a backup quarterback for several years. Alvin Kamara has the game-changing ability out of the backfield, though, to really wreak havoc, and Seattle has not been able to tackle this year. So if there's a game to start figuring that out, this is the one, or otherwise, number 41 is going to go off for 200 all-purpose yard, and he's going to dominate the Seahawks again, just like he's done every time these two teams have faced off. Absolutely, and Kamara's the guy you got to watch out for. And the creativity, and you kind of mentioned off the top, the usage and utilization of him. And yep. I wouldn't be shocked to see Kamara and Mark Ingram share the backfield quite a bit, moving, doing some jet motion, getting Kamara in the slot, getting Kamara as like a wing H-back and just trying to take advantage of things. I would watch for Kamara and Ingram to almost run um, consecutive screens where they're both going out and the defense has to decide which way that they're going to take. And that could really create some problems. And he is just so slippery, but he also has missed time with injury this year. How healthy is he really going to be on the field that could play to the Seahawks advantage? Because if he's not a hundred percent and he's out there at 80%, then it may not be as much of a factor as we may be thinking it is going to be. That would be great news for the Seahawks. But knowing that he took last week off when, you know, a lot of people thought he was going to play in that game in London. No, he might be going into this game close to 100%. But the Seahawks would certainly love it if he is not close to 100%. And he is relatively a decoy in this game. That would really help them, especially with Mike Thomas being out. Nonetheless, his presence out there certainly changes things for the Seahawks because of the damage that he has consistently done to them as a receiver, as a runner, you name it. He has killed them. In the past, every time that they face the Saints, he has a monster performance. We're going to get to our X factors, keys to victory for the Seahawks, and of course, Tyler making his prediction for this game coming up next year on our Blue Friday edition of the Locked On Seahawks podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports and wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's show, my co-host, Tyler Fornes. Thanks to the 12s, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. And for your second listen, make sure to check out the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. We've got a big game coming up. In the Big Easy on Sunday, the Seahawks at 2-2, a chance to get back above 500 and stay in the NFC West race. 
They're traveling down to New Orleans, a place that's very difficult to win at. The Seahawks have not beaten the Saints in almost a decade, including last year losing at home. The Saints are going to be desperate at one and three. They need a win to stay in the hunt in the NFC South. They're playing with a backup quarterback. Let's get to our X factors, Tyler. Now, normally we talk Seahawks players for this, but you and I discussed it before the show, and you feel like the biggest X factor in this game is wearing black and gold. I really do, and I think it's Andy Dalton. Uh, whenever you have a veteran backup quarterback that has as many starts as Dalton does, I believe Dalton has over 150 starts in the, the entirety of his career, including multiple playoff games for the Cincinnati Bengals. He knows how to win. He knows how to play smart football, and he has the talent around him to be able to be successful. He led multiple the Saints from multiple uh, deficits in that game and were able to take the lead and even came close to winning the game in London against the Minnesota Vikings. He knows how to play safe, turnover-free football. And when you have guys on the outside that can help you out, I think that him being himself and taking a little bit more of a step in order to take advantage of situations, it could be very dangerous because we all know Jameis Winston. He's more talented, but he's also also more volatile. Andy Dalton's the safe option, and he can still calculate calculatedly take care of things down the field. Yeah, he's certainly the type of veterans I mentioned earlier that has given the Seahawks so many fits. A really smart quarterback that isn't going to hurt himself, has started a lot of games, has won a lot of games in the NFL. I know Pete Carroll has a great respect for him. They actually thought about drafting Andy Dalton, the Seahawks did, back in 2011, one year before they ended up picking Russell Wilson in the third round. I'm going to go to the defensive side of the football for the Seahawks, keeping Andy Dalton in mind. And I mentioned this, if there's one area in Dalton's game, especially this stage of his career, that he is not going to be hurting you, it's the mobility. He is not going to be a dual threat quarterback. And I'm going to say Boy Mafe is my X factor in this game because Mafe going into the season and you were very high on him coming out of Minnesota, a pick that certainly was you viewed as one of the best ones for Seattle, but maybe not going to have instant contributions from him. That has not been the case. They went into the season thinking he was going to be a situational pass rusher, and now he and Daryl Taylor have flipped the script. I expect Boye Mafe is going to get his first career NFL start on Sunday because Daryl Johnson got the start last weekend in place of Daryl Taylor. Taylor's really been struggling defending the run, hit and miss in rushing the passer. He just has not met expectations, hasn't even come close. Johnson's now on injured reserve with a foot injury he suffered last week in that start. So boy, Mafe naturally now is going to get the opportunity, and he's been one of the few guys off the edge that has been able to set the edge and play the run well. He's got a sack. I'm waiting for him to erupt as a pass rusher. He's only got two pressures this year. But getting more snaps each week with his athletic ability, his natural twitch, the explosiveness of the field, underrated power, he's improving with using his hands. All those things in consideration, there is going to come a game where he's going to blow up. And I look at the Saints tackles. Ryan Ramchick is a good right tackle, but he hasn't had a great season by his standards. On the other side, James Hurst has only given up one sack, but this is a guy in the past that's had issues with really athletic pass rushers that can win with speed to power. I feel like Mafe can have some success against both of those tackles playing either outside linebacker spot and maybe have the type of big plays they're looking for on the road, like a strip sack. He did that a lot at Minnesota with limited snaps for most of his college career. He proved he could do that. He did it at the senior bowl as well. 
I think Boy Mafe is going to take full advantage of his first career NFL start, and it's going to give him an opportunity to get after Andy Dalton. They need pressure in this game to help their secondary. If you can get to Dalton frequently, which I think Mafe has a chance to do, that it really improves their chances of winning this game. Now let's talk about keys to victory here, Tyler. What do the Seahawks need to do? Let's let's fill the sentence in here. The Seahawks win on Sunday in New Orleans if they do what? Uh, honestly, it, they need to play coverage on the back end and get home with four, and you really talked about how they can be successful with it. Boye Mafe and Daryl Taylor, um, you really hit the nail on the head with why I love Mafe. Mafe did not get a lot of snaps at Minnesota, but it wasn't because he wasn't talented. It was because defensive coordinator Joe Rossi was obsessed with rotation and keeping guys fresh, and it worked really well because uh, of the 400 snaps that Mafe had, he had 40 pressures during his senior year. And that's not just pass rush reps. That's overall snaps. He is a dynamic athlete at the edge position, and he's going to be able to get home um, speed to power is something that you can definitely utilize. And I'll tell you, he compared to Daniil Hunter for me, and they knew exactly where Hunter was every single play last Sunday. And it, they believed that Hunter could make an impact on the game like that. And he he made a good impact. I think Mafe can make a really good impact because of what he brings to the table. And then obviously Daryl Taylor um, is a fantastic edge rusher as well. If you get home with four and play coverage on the back end, that's the easiest way to shut down Andy Dalton. Yeah, this is a game where you don't want to blitz too much because one thing Dalton has consistently been good at in his career is beating the blitz. And he'll stare it down and he'll he'll make big throws under pressure. He's done it throughout his career. And so if you can find ways to get pressure on him without bringing that fifth, sixth, seventh rusher consistently – Really improves your chances, especially with the weapons that the Saints have on the outside. Even without Michael Thomas, they get plenty of talent, a receiver, and they've basically got a receiver running back in Alvin Kamara that can do a lot of damage and has done so against the Seahawks. For me, I'm going to look at the offensive side of the football. To me, the Seahawks win this game if they can surpass 100 rushing yards and they win the time of possession battle by five minutes. To me, those two are going to go together, and I talked about this earlier in the show. You're going to one of the most hostile environments in the NFL. This is up there with Lumen Field and playing at Arrowhead Stadium. New Orleans has one of the loudest stadiums in the NFL, a rabid fan base. They cause a lot of problems. There's a reason it's one of the toughest places in the NFL to win. You want to take that crowd out of the game, get your run game going, have some play action off it, long possessions, methodical possessions where you hold on to the football if you're able to do that and wear this defense down, they've had their issues when opponents have been able to do that successfully this year. The Falcons did it in week one. The Panthers did it in week three. This is an offense that has more weapons on the outside, though, that they can take advantage of than those two teams. So it feels like the pieces are in place to be able to get the job done. But Seattle needs to have sustained and drive. So I think winning that time of possession battle and doing so with an effective run game to complement Geno Smith really gives the Seahawks a great chance to win this game against a team that, quite frankly, they're going to be in desperation mode, and that can be either good or bad. Sometimes teams don't play at their best when they are in desperation mode. If they can come out and put together a few quick scoring drives, they could end up putting the Saints in a position they can't rebound from it because of the losses that they've already dealt with. And so with that in mind, I dished out my game prediction on our Crossover Thursday episode. I think the Seahawks are going to win this game. I, I just like the matchup, and I like the way the offense is playing. 
Saints have enough question marks for me going into this game, particularly with injuries. I feel like the Seahawks, to me, are the better team going into this matchup with the rosters as they stand currently. What do you think, Tyler? Are the Seahawks going to go to New Orleans and win this game, or is this going to be another case of going to a Central or Eastern time zone and falling short? I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you. When I saw that the Seahawks were five point underdogs for Bet Online, I was floored because I thought this should have been a lot closer to a pick'em game, even though it's in New Orleans. I am not high on New Orleans right now. Obviously, they can still get home with uh, Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport. And not having Peyton Turner is a little bit of a bummer, especially because of how much I love him as a player. But the Seahawks are playing lights out football. They're one of the best offenses in the National Football League, and they're able to run the ball. And just having that dynamic combination of being able to stretch the field and uh, pound the rock, I think it's going to be 28-24 Seahawks, a nine-point cover, which is a really impressive thing to do in the NFL, especially on the road when you're an underdog. This Seahawks team is going to be a 3-2 and two by the end of this game. I don't see a scenario where the Saints are really going to be able to take advantage of the Seahawks enough, considering how well Geno Smith is playing. He's got Tyler Locke and DK Metcalf. Rashad Penny's playing out of his mind. I, I feel like the Pete Carroll concept of wanting to really build a team and not having Russell Wilson in the building, and obviously there's a, there's a lot of animosity between uh, Wilson, the organization, the fan base. I, I really think it's working. And Geno Smith is having a career renaissance and they're going to ride the wave. And I think it's going to get them to three and two. Really it's going to boil down to can Geno get protection? Can that offensive line create room for Rashad Penny and Ken Walker, the third to operate. That is going to be the number one key for Seattle's offense because the way Geno's playing, how he's commanding this offense, the way the running backs are running the ball, the weapons again on the outside, the Saints have had some issues periodically on defense. And so it feels like a matchup that's setting up well for them, even though it is one of the toughest places to play in the NFL. And so we'll see what happens. The Saints certainly have the weapons where if the Seahawks defense keep playing the way they have been, things could get ugly. But Seattle's hoping to build off the momentum they gained last week winning in Detroit and win their second straight game, sap a losing streak against the Saints. We'll see what happens. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Tyler at The Real Forno. Check out Locked On Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up on Sunday, shortly after the Seahawks take on the Saints in New Orleans, we'll be having our weekly postcast. I'll be dishing out my game balls on offense, defense, and special teams, playing some three up, three down, and, of course, looking at some key storylines coming out of the game. You won't want to miss it. That'll be coming live a couple hours after the final whistle in New Orleans. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. Go Hawks.